dear saints, this is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are doing. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. This is God's word. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we come to you now in the name of your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be with us, Lord. Help us to receive your word with gladness and joy. Help us to receive your word with humility and grace. Help us, Lord, to see all that you have commanded, and to seek by your power and by your strength to obey. Give us listening ears. Give us seeing eyes. Give us understanding minds and believing hearts. But I decrease that you may increase, be glorified in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please, dear saints, be seated. I greet you once again in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and welcome you on this Lord's Day Sabbath as we continue our short series, Encouragements While We Wait. I would like to remind you that this short series is founded based upon the promise, the promise of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has promised that he will return. In the book of Genesis, Joseph, a type of Christ, foretold of God's visitation to the people of Israel while they were still in Egypt. Year after year, they waited for the fulfillment of the word of the Lord to deliver them out of Egypt. But 400 years later, the Lord raised up the prophet Moses and led them out of their bondage in Egypt. It was on that final day, that exodus, when by the hand of God, the people were delivered from their bondage. And while they exited the land of Egypt, they did not fail to uphold the oath that they were bound upon through Joseph to carry his bones out of Egypt, just as he said. And brothers and sisters, you and I are also waiting for a deliverance. But our deliverance is greater than the deliverance that the Israelites experienced in Egypt. You and I wait for an entrance into a greater land than Canaan. You and I wait for a greater deliverer than Joseph and Moses. Christ is the better Joseph. Christ is the greater Joseph, the greater Moses. Christ has risen from the grave. Christ in his obedience and sufferings. Christ in his resurrection and ascension has procured for us deliverance, deliverance for our souls, our souls that were held in bondage to the sin passed on from Adam. 
Praise be to God. That now, if you repent of your sin, place your faith in Christ alone, you will be saved. You uh, will be delivered. And there is a promise for those who place their faith in Christ alone. The promise is not of silver and gold. Christ is not promising you silver and gold if you place your faith in him. Uh, The promise of Christ is not of health and wealth. Christ is not promising you that you will be healthy and wealthy if you place your faith in him. The promise is not even of safety and security. He's not promising that your homes won't be broken into or that you will not die in a car accident. The promise of Christ is better. It's better than silver and gold. It's better than health and wealth. It's better than safety and security. The promise of Christ is that he will forgive your sins, save your souls, and return and bring you to glory. It's better than anything the world could offer. Christ has said in John chapter 14 and verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Our Christ has promised that he that we will not be left here. We will not be sitting on the curb, as it were, waiting for Christ to show up, disappointed because our Lord made a promise that he would come, but never showed, never appeared. Christ will return just as he has promised. And while we wait, while we wait for uh, the blessed return of our Christ, We will keep our lamps filled with oil, expecting his arrival at any time. We will observe the times and the seasons because we are fully aware that these are the last days. We will wait and we will be alert. We won't be caught off guard like the person whose home is robbed by the thief in the night. We will not sleep as others do. We will not be drunk, but sober-minded. We will walk in faith, trusting in what Christ has done. We will look forward in hope in what Christ will do. And we will love both Christ and each other while we wait. We've read our verses this morning. And while we will not deal with every single phrase from verse 11 onward, we we may not deal with every single phrase. This morning, we will consider that verse 14, the first part of it, which is admonish the unruly. Brothers and sisters, while we are waiting for the, the blessed return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been commanded to admonish the unruly. If I could just have for a second everyone's attention very briefly. All of these sermons and these going forward, I would like to say that that these sermons are intended to be targeted toward everyone. And when I say everyone, I don't just mean everyone here at Reformation Bible Church. I do mean for anyone who would listen to this sermon, that it would be applicable to every single person. Think not for one second that I would uh, make a sermon just for one person in the church. This, these are for every single person. So I hope that as we are explaining what unruliness is, that none of us would say he's talking about me. I'm talking about you. 
I'm talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. This should apply to anyone who calls himself a believer. Brothers and sisters, I would like you to see then that this uh, command is directed toward the body of Christ. The apostle says, we encourage you, brethren. Just so that you know, brethren is, is, does not mean men of the church. Brethren is a phrase that is intended to refer to all of the saints in the church. So what must we do, brethren, while we wait? Now, we have been commanded to very, very highly esteem our elders. We've been commanded to live in peace with one another. One of the challenges of maintaining, remember last week, not creating peace, but maintaining peace that has been created or established by God is those who are unruly in the church. If we are to maintain peace, one of the obstacles or one of the challenges to maintaining peace will be those who are unruly in the local church. God is building his church. We are, as the Apostle Peter said, holy stones that when we gather together, God meets with us. His presence is among us in a real and unique way. You are holy stones this morning, gathering together for the purpose of worship. We are assembling and then disassembling the holy of holies this morning. When you come to worship, you are a holy stone. And as you are a holy stone being gathered together, assembling together, the presence of God dwells among us in a very unique way. Peter is alluding to the holy of holies of the Old Testament. It is not left when we gather for worship. God is with us. We are taking part in that building project when we gather together, when we live in peace with one another. Uh, when we rise each morning to come and to worship among the saints, we are taking place in God's building project. And while we are here, while we are seeking to live in peace with one another, we must admonish, reprimand, rebuke, strongly warn. All of those words mean admonish. I'll say them again. Uh, reprimand, rebuke, strongly warn. That is admonish. All of those who are unruly in the church. We've been charged to maintain unity. Uh, we've been commanded to live in peace. Uh, we've been called to build each other up. That's uh, appropriate language, isn't it? Paul says, build one another up. Uh, Peter says that when you are gathering together, you are holy stones. It's all speaking about this construction project of God. God is building we take part in that building project. God is building. We must build. How do we build? We build one another up in our most holy faith. And one of the ways that we also build one another up is we do not tolerate those who disrupt, distract, or divide during this divine construction. There is divine construction taking place. And we must not disrupt it. Uh, we must not distract from the building project. We must not divide during the construction. Imagine a, a, a building that's being constructed. And all of a sudden, it's a contractor, the one who is building. He all of a sudden loses half of his builders. Well, it's going to take a lot longer for the building to be built, isn't it? We stay together. What does it mean to be unruly? And who are the unruly ones? 
If you're looking at your scriptures, your Bible may say idol. Admonish the idol. Your Bible may also say admonish or rebuke the disorderly. There's a few different words there. So there is unruly, there is idol, and there is disorderly. Paul is directing his attention toward those who are not going in the direction that they've been commanded to go into. Literally, it is a reference to soldiers who are given a command, but are not found, listen to this phrase, to be at their post. It is a reference to soldiers who are not at their post, who have been given a responsibility, a charge, but who are absent, negligent, or, or, or who are altogether abandoning their charge. That was a phrase that I heard a lot growing up. Be at your post. I'm at my post. I used to think it was just something where, where men were trying to be militant. But it actually does have uh, biblical references. Uh, the unruly are those who are frequently, frequently abandoning their post. They are those who are frequently not where they should be. Let's say that again. They are those who are frequently not where they should be. They are not living or functioning in the manner to which they have been commanded to live and function. They are not living in the manner that they have vowed to live. The soldier makes a vow of service. Uh, the believer, the saint, makes a vow of service. And the unruly one are those who are not living up to their vows. They are not at their post. They are not where they should be. There's another phrase, idle. Uh, you all know what it means to be idle. Some of you know what it is to start a car and to have the car just be to be idle. It's on, but it's not going nowhere. Uh, it's just on idle. I remember my dad used to start those old cars every Saturday morning. And for 20 minutes, those cars would be revving and revving and revving. They would be idle. Thank God after a while, they would drive off. Idleness is laziness. It is an undisciplined slacker. I, I, I was charged uh, maybe years ago for maybe admonishing take take notes i would say take notes and the charge came to me if you don't take notes you're in sin in the church well, that's not what i'm saying here's what i noticed though you've gone from taking notes to not taking notes you've gone from paying attention to not paying attention there's something happening in your soul maybe it's idleness it is idleness is fruitlessness those who avoid anything that has to do with effort do you know anyone like that anyone that anything that has to do with work it's they are allergic to it you know anyone who's allergic to work you remember the parable of the talents in matthew chapter 25 a man goes on a journey he leaves and gives his talents uh, to his servants he expects his servants to uh, invest the talents to uh, be fruitful and to multiply, if you will, with those talents. 
So the one man, he gives five. The, mo- the man who gets five works and gets five more. He gives one man two and the man works and gets two more. Then there's one man who gets one, but he has a different approach. Uh, rather than working and investing, he hides it. He puts it away. So that when the master comes and asks him to give an account for what he has done with the talent that was given to him, he says, I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. Here's your talent back. See, here is what is yours. The master was furious. His response to that servant was you wicked, lazy, idle, fruitless servant. He is thrown into the fire. The idle one is thrown into the fire. The fruitless one is thrown into the fire. Uh, The man did nothing with what was given to him. He was fruitless, unproductive. Idleness is. Christ orders the church to what she must be and what she must do. If we are found outside of what Christ has commanded, we are idle. We are unruly. We've been called to live in peace with one another. But one of the ways that this peace is disturbed is when the people who are in the church are lazy and unruly. Uh, lazy and not where they should, not where they're supposed to be. In the church, there are common areas that we must evaluate to see if we are being unruly. To see, am I being unfruitful? Am I being idle? This morning, let's take a check of our own, listen, soul, and maybe even membership in the local church. And let's, before we are asking someone to be keep us accountable, let's keep ourselves accountable to what we hear this morning. And again, it's for everyone. Let's start with number one, the mission and the structure of the church. The mission and the structure of the church. Dear congregation, the Lord Jesus has given his bride, the church, its foundational identity. Oh, we are who we are because Christ tells us who we are. Uh, We are who we are in Christ, and Christ gives us the identity of who we're supposed to be. Christ establishes the church and gives us a mission. Uh, We find our identity in Christ, and we find our work in Christ. Who we are is found in Christ. What we are to do is given by Christ. What are we to do? We all know. Uh, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We know this mission, this calling as the Great Commission. We are called to go to the nations, bringing them the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who respond to the message are to be baptized and then united to the local church through their baptism. They are to be taught all that Christ has commanded. And all of this takes place within the local church. What is Christ commanded? That takes place in the context of the local church. What I'm about to say is a sermon again for everyone. If you have repented of your sins, trusted in Christ, then you must be joined to a local church. It is both a command and a common practice of the saints to belong to the local church, to come under the mission and structure of the church. If you are a believer in Christ and not a member of a local church, then I urge you, join a local church. There is, uh, the scriptures know nothing of someone who calls himself a believer, but not a member of a local church. 
Why? Because there are certain practices that you must obey within the context of being a member of the local church. Essentially, all that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. These, these are all commands for members of the local church. All that we are commanded is fleshed out through the teachings that are delivered by the elders who have been placed in their position by God. So our, our identity is given by Christ. Our mission is given by Christ. And the church is structured by Christ. Now, what does this have to do with admonishing the unruly? The unruly are those who are not functioning within the structure that Christ has established for his church. Christ has made a structure. The unruly ones who are, are those who are saying, I'm functioning, though, outside of the structure that Christ has made for us. But I still call myself in Christ. You can't be in Christ if you're functioning outside of the structure of Christ. Those who are unruly are functioning outside of what Christ has established for his people. Again, if you're not a member, you're a rogue believer. And the Bible knows and has no category for rogue believers. The Bible has no category for lone rangers. We are one for all and all for one. We are to admonish, that is rebuke, reprimand. Or firmly warn those who deviate from the structure that Christ has established for his church. Now, it's not just membership. Think about the church. We've been given an order here. There are elders who have been placed in the church and have been given charge to govern in the local church. It's our task to preach and to pray. Now, we are functioning within a structure. Imagine if one of your elders, not me, imagine if one of your elders did not deliver to you the word of God on the Lord's day, but delivered to you cookies and milk. And ordered everyone not to sit and to hear the word of God, but ordered everyone to sit in a circle so that we can play duck, duck, goose. We would be functioning outside of the order that Christ has made for the church. We would be unruly. We would need to be reprimanded. We would need to be rebuked. We would be functioning outside of the call of Christ. We would need to be admonished, strongly admonished, I would say. That's for the elders. Now, imagine the members. You also have a responsibility. Imagine a member who, rather than coming and listen listening attentively to the word of God, encouraging and building up the saints, uh, hearing the word of God, which is a a means of grace for their soul, rather than coming and attentively listening, they are enticing people. Come outside. Let's play checkers while we worship. They, that person, would be functioning outside of the, the order and function structure of the church. That is called unruliness. Again, it's anything that operates outside of the structure of the church that would cause, listen to this, the word of God to be distracted, neglected, or minimized. The word of God's going forth. If we are doing anything to distract from the word of God, to neglect the word of God, or to minimize the word of God, we are being unruly. Why? Because the most important thing that is happening is happening right in here. When the supper is being given, when the word of God is going forth, when the word is being read, this is the most important thing. Anything outside of this, anything that that someone entices someone to come and to join them outside of this, they are being unruly. These are silly examples, aren't they? But... It should give us a better sense of what it means to understand the order and the structure of the church. And we, we, 
if we're trying to find out more about what is the order and the structure of our church, we need to look no further than our membership commitment vows that are found in our constitution. What am I supposed to do? I wonder how many of us have often looked over our membership vows, the the we agree statements that we have in our constitution. We have commitments that we have vowed before God and the church that we would keep. The unruly ones are those who are consistently deviating from those particular commitments. The elders have commitments. We have vowed to teach, to pray, to shepherd in godly ways, to practice holiness. Listen to this. And to be present. To be here. The elders keep one another accountable. You also keep us accountable to our vows. If we sent out a memo, listen to this, if we had decided to be so courteous to send you a memo, informing you that we would not be attending on the Lord's Day because we're moving furniture to our new place. I don't believe that that would, I just seen a few faces, I don't believe that that would go over well with you. Hey guys, not showing up today. Uh, I got to move a couch into my new place. There's an important question to this statement. Why must we be here? Well, because we have made certain vows. And we have certain responsibilities that are connected to those vows. I've said I will do this. It is my responsibility and I vow to do it. It's no secret. We have commitments. But dear brothers and sisters, so do you. You have responsibilities that are based upon your vows. You have certain commitments that are based upon your vows. The elders are gifted to teach and to pray. But remember last week, you also have been gifted as well. We don't come to the church and say, well, since I'm not a preacher, I don't need to be there. Uh, Since I'm not uh, an elder, I don't have any gifts. We talked about this last week. You do have a gift. Paul said to the entire church, "Uh, you like gifts. This was in the church of Corinth. You appreciate gifts. Here's one for you that you can all do. Build one another up. It's your gift from God. Build one another up in the faith. It's If it's not acceptable for elders to be absent from the gathering of the saints, listen to this one, for illegitimate reasons, then it is equally not acceptable for the members of the church to do the same. Every activity must be weighed in terms of your call from Christ and your membership vows. What does Christ command? What have I committed to do? I should say I commit to do everything that Christ commands. You have vowed in your membership covenant to be, listen to this, at all the stated meetings of the church. To be at your post. You have vowed to be at all the stated meetings of your church. To be at your post. But I'm not preaching. But you've been gifted to build up the saints. Someone else will build them up. Talked about that last week. You chip away at a stone and pretty soon it'll just become pebbles. The stated meetings of the church are the gathered meetings of the saints on the Lord's day. Listen to this. Morning and evening. Unless providentially hindered because of works of mercy and works of necessity. I wonder if you've read that in our constitution and you've said, what are providentially hindered? Providentially hindered means this is something I didn't plan. 
Pastor Isaiah, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this again, but months ago, he wasn't able to attend because he woke up in the morning and his car was stolen. I think he still did get here eventually during that day sometime. That is a a providence of God that he didn't plan for. That's a providentially hindered. The reason why it's something I didn't plan is because I would not plan anything except to gather with the saints on the Lord's day. I vow to be here. Providentially hindered means I'm prevented by something I didn't plan. My son was sick and I had to go to the emergency room. My job called me into work. And if I don't go, I'm in an unfortunate situation that if I don't go, I'll lose my job. There's been brothers here at times who have been on call and they had to go. Hated to go, but had to go. Providentially hindered. These providentially providential hindrances of mercy and necessity. And brothers and sisters, are, are, are what are uh, accepted absences. Brothers and sisters, this is not Sabbatarianism. It's church membership. I've been to Mark Dever's church, not Sabbatarians. They are there morning and evening. I've been to John MacArthur's church, not Sabbatarians. They are morning and evening. What you do in the meantime is between you and your conscience. But you have vowed to be at all the stated meetings of the local church. We have vowed to be at all the stated meetings of all the local church. Now, as much as we would like you to be at the race. As much as we would like you to be at the woman of the word. To join us for evangelism. To come this Friday, movie night. American gospel. We're going to have food and and fun. You'll get to come to a theater. Game night, which we'll have next month. Sunday school, which Pastor Isaiah and I do at 9.20 and at 4.30. We would love for you to be there. But you're not required to be there. It's not one of the stated meetings that we have established as being uh, that you must be there. So when we're thinking about admonishing the unruly, we say, hey, brother, I haven't seen you at the race. I'm admonishing you now. Sister, I haven't seen you at Woman of the Word. Consider yourself admonished. <laughs> well, we're, we're overstepping now our boundaries because we have vowed to be at all the stating meetings of the church, Sunday morning and Sunday evening. All those other ones, while they are good for your soul, while if you ask some of those who are consistently there and present at those things, they would say, yes, it's a blessing. I, I'm, I'm personally encouraged. I, I've gained weight actually going to the men's, men's race. <laughs> would it be good for you to go to those things? Of course. Would you grow more intimately with those who are also going to those things? Yes, you would. Is it a requirement? No, it's not. And yet we don't want to take away from the fact that it would be good for you if you went. We want you to go. Admonishing the idle and unruly affects the peace of the church. So be careful. Be careful when you admonish. Uh, people are usually sensitive when you tell them something that they're not doing right. So make sure that you're correct in what you're admonishing them to do. Make sure that you are that you are not being out of line. Make sure that you are not assuming something that's not true. Uh, if one or distracts, uh, distracts or subverts the gospel and the structure of the church, they are participating with Satan. And Satan is seeking to divide the house of God because Satan knows that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Will you participate in, with Satan by being unruly? Will you cause division in the church and, and unrest in the church because of idleness, not being at your post, being unfruitful? 
I pray not. I pray not. Once the structure of the church is defined, which we've done, thanks be to God, then we can compare and see whether or not there are people who are actually being disorderly, who are or being orderly. So with this first point, examine yourselves. Ask yourselves, is there anything in my life as a member of the church that I should be admonished for? Because here's the good thing. It would be better for, for you to admonish yourself before someone has to come and admonish you. It would be better for you to uh, correct yourself, to reprimand yourself, rather than wait for someone to come and, and reprimand you. So here's a good first quiz. Keep yourselves accountable before anyone else has to. Let's move on to the second one. Peace and piety. Christ, peace and piety. Christ has given the church a mission. Minister the gospel and minister the word and sacraments. And he has given uh, even us a special spiritual arm for this mission. Christ has called us to live in peace and holiness with one another. Christ expects us to fight. I've heard someone refer to refer to this as the... uh, the evil trinity. I don't like that phrase. So we're going to call it the three-headed monster. Christ expects his soldiers to fight this three-headed monster. That is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Not one another. Christ expects us to fight that three-headed monster. Not one another. If the church is going to accomplish her mission that has been given to her by her head, then we cannot fight each other. Uh, we cannot fight the enemy if we are fighting one another. The unruly ones are those who seek to cut down other saints. Some of the most common ways that we war against one another is with two deadly, deadly weapons. Gossip and slander. Uh, you've heard this described also as backbiting. Gossip, slander, backbiting. Just think of the phrase, back, biting. Someone who comes from behind you to devour you. And I think that we can all acknowledge, we've all experienced the pain of learning that someone has been gossiping about you. That someone has been slandering your name. Trust is broken, feelings are hurt. But I think those things are intensified when we find out that it's someone in the church. Outside of the church, we we should somewhat expect it. Inside of the church, we are right to not expect it. It is unruliness. It should be rebuked. It should be admonished. Let me say to you also, there is no perfect church. As much as this is as close to heaven here, this is no perfect church. There will be challenges in every church, but we must not add to those challenges by speaking against our brothers or sisters in Christ. We must not slander people in the church. We must not gossip about them over and over again. The scriptures, they group gossipers with those who hate God over and over again. The scriptures, they group uh, gossipers with those who are murderers and insolent. You know, gossip and slander does eventually lead to murder, if not physical murder, at least murder of one's character. Romans one twenty eight. furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind 
so that they do, listen to this, this is for the, 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 the depraved person. They do what, they, what ought not to be done. done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness. This is the depraved person. Evil, greed, depravity, uh, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. And they are gossipers. They are slanderers. They are God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. The gossiper of the one who, when they drive off, did you see? Did you hear? Can you believe? First Timothy 3, 9 through 11, they're malicious stalkers. First Timothy 5, 13, they're busybodies. Uh, Titus 2 through 5, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, they're drunkards. They're not sober-minded. Proverbs, which has a a number of things to say about uh, gossip. 26, there are those who view gossip as a tasty dessert. Hey, I like the drama. What you got for me? Is it juicy? Bring it. Give it to me. Really? Uh Uh-uh. And then what? James one twenty six says they are those who can't tame their tongue. You know those who, when they talk to you, normally their conversations are about other people. That they can't seem to have a conversation unless it's about somebody else. I know someone who... A family member, nobody in this church, you are all saints who float with uh, wings. Uh, but I know a family member who it seems like every time I speak to him, he wants to talk about everybody else. He's got the biggest log in his eye, but he wants to find everyone else's specks. Brothers and sisters, there is no church that is perfect, but we must not allow one of our flaws to be gossip and slander. We, we must not allow one of our flaws. We have a lot of them, but we must not allow one of them to be gossip and slander in the church. It will be a fatal flaw to the church. It would be a fatal flaw. Avoid at all costs gossip and slander of the church. Oftentimes, gossip arises and saints have not lived up to their expectations because we have not lived up to our expectations that we have for other people. We will get disappointed. We will get frustrated. We will get angry. Sadly, many times saints express these varied emotions with loose tongues because we were disappointed, because we were upset, because we were angry. And sometimes the rudder of the ship goes a little haywire. The tongue seems to go in places that if we were maybe calmer, if we had maybe taken a step back, if we have maybe brought these concerns, these frustrations, uh, this anger to the Lord, maybe we would not have said what we had said. Slander and gossip, they create a great potential for division. They must be admonished. They must be admonished. Not solely by the elders. Paul calls the brethren. Remember, that's the church to admonish. That's the entire church. The responsibility to admonish the unruly is the call of the church, not just the elders. We must not hear gossip or slander and then, ooh, pastor's going to get him eventually. You see. The elders will catch it eventually. You don't wait for the elders to catch word of, of, of gossip. 
it is your responsibility to take part in building someone or us each other up. And where there is someone tearing someone down, they are doing violence to the construction of God. Gossip is tearing someone down. We've been called to build each other up. If someone is gossiping or slandering, they're doing violence to the divine construction of God. We are called to participate in the building project and not be those who, when someone puts a stone, we wait to see they've left, take the stone out and throw it out of the way. We have been given this charge. And it can be done in very simple ways that, that don't have to be offensive. Brother, sister, that, that's not very helpful. Uh, brother, sister, that doesn't make for peace. Uh, brother, sister, maybe we shouldn't talk about our brother or sister that way. Let's maybe pray for them. And the response of the person who was receiving that kind of kind and gentle rebuke should not be, well, I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. I'll find someone else that I can gossip with. Oh, you don't want to play. You're no fun. No, it is no fun to do violence against the construction of God's church. Make it a point that when you are disappointed, give the person who has disappointed you, give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't realize how much they have disappointed you. When you are offended in some kind of way, don't assume. Maybe the person didn't intend to disappoint you, but they did. The Bible commands you to be quick to forgive. The Bible commands you to not hold animosity towards them. Uh, the Bible commands you to forgive just as you've been forgiven. First uh, Corinthians says, love believes the best. Not the worst. Although the worst has been done to you in life, the Christian has a different perspective. They are to believe the best. Love holds no record of wrongs. Uh, you are not to pull out your Rolodex of all of the things that have been done against you. They're to be thrown away. Why? Because God has thrown your sins away. God has cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. Uh, far be it from us to say, here's my list though. Love never fails. Dear saints, when someone shares gossip with you, it is your responsibility to admonish them for being unruly. That should cause the person to, to not be offended, but to say, you're right. Forgive me. And maybe I should go to the person that I'm speaking about and ask them for forgiveness. And, and maybe show them some kind of kindness because I, I've been unruly. I know that might make some people uncomfortable. And it should make you uncomfortable if it wasn't a command from God. If God didn't command it, just like with everything else I've said, if God didn't command it, it should make you uncomfortable. It's not what we normally naturally do. But it's who you've been called to be. So therefore, obey it. Let us seek to maintain, not create, but maintain the peace that has been established by God here in this local church. And one of the ways that we can do this is by promoting peace and living holy lives. Promote peace. Live a holy life. Third and finally, fellowship and finance. The, the first point part of this is something we've kind of already dealt with. So I'm going to fly through it a little bit quicker. We've been called to assemble. We've talked about that already. We've been called to participate in worship together. We've talked about that already. Uh, we must not, though, ignore those who are missing from among us. Uh, take a moment. There are some ladies who are in the back because of uh, their little ones. Look around. Who's missing today? Who's missing? You see them. 
or you, you see where they should be. You know where they normally sit. Call them up. How are you? Uh, you are not being intrusive. I, I have gone to certain homes when I've asked them, well, what church do you go to? And they tell me, and uh, sometimes they'll say, one of the things I hate is when I don't go to church, everybody's calling me. Where are you at? Are you okay? Why do you hate that? They love you. They miss you. No, they're just trying to be in my business. No, they've been called to be in your business. When Now, again, this is for churches that don't have often structures like we do. When someone calls you and wants to know, are you okay? They care about you. They're not trying to find out information so that they can gossip. They want to know if you're okay. So when you see someone who is not here, give them a call. Give them a text. Brother, just missed you today. Are you okay? Any way that I can pray for you? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm sure that those who are getting the call, getting the text, they would appreciate that. It's our responsibility to follow up. And sometimes the elders don't catch it all. Well, this is a small church. But there are some times when we don't recognize, oh, so-and-so hasn't been here for a few weeks. Let's give them a call. When one is absent from the gathering of the saints, uh, we should find out and see if they're okay. Now, if it's for a long period of time or if it's so frequent that you're starting to see that this is actually them not being at their post, they are then in danger of being unruly. They're not where they should be. Do you, do you belong to Christ? Do you believe in Christ? Is Christ your all in all? Then you must do what Christ commands and be where Christ commands you to be. This is the structure that Christ has established for his church. Now, we will either function within the structure of Christ or we'll function outside of the structure of Christ and we'll be noticed and it will be determined as being unruly. Christ has not only called us to assemble, but he's called us to financially support the church. We've been called to contribute to the financial needs of the church, to tithe, to give of your first income. The church has been called to care for the poor in our midst, to care for widows in our midst, uh, to care even for the elders in our midst. And if you don't, then it's called being unproductive, unfruitful, idle. We have the responsibility to contribute. And if one is not working or contributing then they are draining resources of the church by neglecting to participate. Let me see if I can quickly illustrate this for you. I can remember one summer, and we all love our Bakersfield summers, when my wife and I, along with a friend who was with us, we got a flat tire about a mile away from my mother's house. This friend who was with us lived about a quarter of a mile away from where we got the flat tire. We were going to call roadside assistance, but we all decided, let's just push the car to that house. We can make it. It's just right there. And then we'll call roadside assistance. A mile is too far away. So the three of us got out of this uh, Jeep Cherokee Sport. Those little small Cherokees, really. They're light. My wife and I, who were, at least I, um, was much smaller at the time. We got out started to push that little car. With a friend who was with us. The friend was bigger than both of us put together. As we were pushing, I couldn't believe how much effort and strain that I was uh, exerting toward pushing this car. I sweated more as I pushed that little Jeep Cherokee than I think I've ever sweated in all of my life. And I, my wife was on right in front of me. She wasn't my wife at the time, but this was a good test. Uh, she was in front of me. And she also was pushing. And I noticed she was pushing well over her might. I said, 
Martina, are you pushing? She looked back at me with, with her red face. I'm pushing. Well, the other person who was pushing was supposed to be on the other side of the car. So while we're pushing and she's pushing, I took a peek to see if the other person was pushing. And they were walking by the car. And it might as well have been their pinky on the car because that's as much effort as they were putting toward helping us get that car to their place. And I stopped and I said, how come I'm pushing and she's pushing, but you're not pushing? We're getting nowhere because of you. When we fail to contribute to the church, it causes others to push twice as hard. To support the church. How would we know if someone's not contributing? Well, the elders are not getting a financial report every single week and saying, oh, so-and-so gave, so-and-so didn't give. give. Here's how much they gave, here's how much they, they gave. We don't keep track of that. It's not our responsibility to keep track of that. But we do believe that if the saints are contributing or not contributing, no, let's say not contributing, this eventually, after a certain amount of time, will be brought to our attention. And we just want to find out, how can we help? Is everything okay? We notice that you're, you're maybe pushing with the pinky, but is there a reason why? Maybe the rest of your body is injured. And that's why you're pushing in that kind of way. But we need to understand because the rest of us are having to pick up the slack. We're called to contribute. But if someone is simply to, if, some, if someone is being like that friend and simply refusing to contribute, that's unfruitfulness. That's idleness. That is unruliness. We must examine ourselves. And I, am I in some way or in some extent being unruly or idle in any kind of way? Christ has defined the church for what it should be. And we must follow that structure or be unruly and idle. Brothers and sisters, do you realize that the way that we live with one another, it adds to the strength and health of this church? When we admonish it is so that you might be strengthened, not weakened. Uh, when we abandon our post, we are being disorderly, unruly, and we're weakening the church. When we gossip, when we criticize, when we don't contribute, when we refuse to submit to the government of the church, we weaken the church. When we're not here, when we're absent from the gathering of the saints, we weaken the church. I said this three weeks ago. It would be nice if for just one Lord's Day, all of the members were here. Just one. Why can't we all be here at the same time? When we are divisive, we weaken the church. When we are lazy, we weaken the church. These are Affecting Our actions are affecting the health and strength of this church. Not just you. We must not think, if I don't attend, it doesn't matter. You can't think that, uh, I'll just let someone else take up my slack. Again, chip away at the rock and it will eventually become rubble. You matter. Don't be the friend who just walks by the car and doesn't push who's no longer a friend. We can be stronger together. 
Don't underestimate the value of every single member, no matter who you are. You are a vital member of this church. The arm cannot say to the body, I don't need you. The foot cannot say to the eyes, I don't need you. We need each other. A good marriage strengthens this church. Good parenting strengthens this church. Uh, Single living in holiness adds to the, the strength of this church. Pious elders add to the strength of this church. Obedient children add to the strength of this church. Refusing to gossip or to hear gossip, it adds to the strength of this church. Encouraging the church builds up the church. We must not refuse the negative, or we must only refuse the negatives. We must not only refuse the negatives, but promote the positives. I made oaths and vows, and I will not abandon them. I will lock arms with my brothers and sisters. We will wage war together against that three-headed monster of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we shall together overcome. We have Christ. We have his spirit. So let us press onward, upward in Christ. Let's follow Christ together. Uh, we are, are not calling each other to follow each other. We're calling each other to together follow Christ. We are the people of Christ. And just take this as a given. We're going to fail. We're going to disappoint. We're going to offend. But forgive. Don't lose sight of the mission that Christ has set us on. We're united in Christ. He has given us a mission. We're going to fail at times because we still live in this sin-sick world. We still wrestle against sin. But we will not be distracted, deterred, or turned away from the mission that Christ has given us. Admonish the unruly. If you fit into the category of any of the things that we said this morning, then admonish yourself. Correct yourself so that there does not need to be correction from any of us. I pray that you receive this message this morning with humility and grace. Let's pray.